Doug Englund is a retired pilot with the 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment. He recently joined Bell Helicopters as part of their program to replace the Blackhawk with a new, faster aircraft. He joins Charlie and Katie to talk about Bell's exciting new V-280 aircraft and how it could change the skies and economy of Clarksville and Fort Campbell. All in this episode of Clarksville's Conversation. So, Charlie, the last time Doug joined us, it was was back in 2020, I think. Correct. And I think we really just spent a lot of time getting to know you, who you were. But since then, you've had a lot going on, haven't you? An awful lot going on. Yeah. And so I've been retired out of the Army for just over two years, so March okay. 1st of 2020. I think we met with you right after that, too. I think it was, it was after, I, after I retired, and uh-huh. you know, I was jumping into the community, and, and really, I was the first aviation expert to talk about some mission experience. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think yeah. that was the, the whole core of, mm-hmm. of us coming together and, and residing here in Clarksville, and I've lived here in Clarksville for a very long time, Yeah, but uh, never really got out until came out under that veil, and retirement was the only way to come mm-hmm. out under that veil. Did you ever think about leaving and moving somewhere else? Never. Never? No, I had not. In fact, we'd, you know, in the military, uh, we'd been stationed here for 22, 24 years, but I'd been stationed other places, Germany, mm-hmm. um, Colorado, Georgia, uh, and many other, many other places. And you, you see a lot of other, other places are just different. You know, there are some places that have such things that, that will, will draw your attention. And you think this is hometown USA. And then you realize, well, then you have a different type of, uh, even down to allergies and the hometown yeah. hospitality, all those things. And yeah. it's just. Different. Oh, we got allergies. We have allergies, but you know, the longer you're here, the more you get used to them. True. Yeah, that's sort right. Of. Yeah. But um, no, every time we'd come back to Clarksville, if you get that sensation that it feels like you are home and then this is where you want to be, yeah. that's what solidified to stay here. That's just, and that's such a good feeling too. Oh, it's, yeah. it's irreplaceable on that feeling when you come back. You almost have to go away to think there's a, a better place out there. Yeah. There's a better, better looking town square. There's a better looking uh, place for shopping. When you come here and you come home, it's, it's home. Mm-hmm. And it's such a good feeling, even though we're growing exponentially. <laughs> it, uh, Isn't that true? It's, it's still home, and growth is what. Uh, well, what we're going to talk about a little bit today, huh? Okay. Sounds All right. good. So you've been doing a lot with, did you say, military and civilian aviation? So uh, after I retired, I was a contractor, okay, and teaching and advising instruction flight uh, as an aviator for the majority of my career for thirty-three yep. years. So I was still an instructor pilot, and I was doing four military sales for special operations aviation. And then uh, Bell Helicopter, uh, almost two years ago, reached out to me and, and said, why don't you be part of the team to now take us uh, over that goal line to help the Army out for future vertical lift? And so uh, it was very intriguing to me, and I came out of the Department of Defense you know, after 33, over 33 years, and now working for a company that has both commercial and military support uh, across the globe. And so what Bell Helicopter does is a lot of commercial. So a lot of your EMS that are flying around are Bell products. 
the uh, the aircraft we just donated is a Bell 407. I'll talk about that shortly. But really, the the core of what I'm doing with Bell is to assist the Army in finding a solution on future vertical lift, and it's broken down in two categories. One is the future long range uh, air assault. And that is to replace the aging Blackhawks that have reached their maximum capacity and capability over the last 30-plus years of service that the Blackhawk has been running mm. for the Army. It's just like it's like an old car that you're trying to put more speed to it. Right. But the frame just won't take a bigger engine. It won't take bigger tires. It's like, it's like um, Charlie's uh, Pinto. That's yeah, right. That you had a Pinto from the eighties. From the eighties. Oh, okay. Try to put a uh, try to put a V eight in that thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it just won't take it. So right. a Blackhawk can only weigh. If you try to put more weight on it, it's going to start cracking. Put heavier, more powerful engines on it, it's going to start cracking. And a conventional helicopter can only fly so high and so fast. And so when I had the opportunity <clears throat> to work with Bell Helicopter, which is a subsidiary of, uh, owned by Textron, to now start looking at solving those problems for the Army, I, I was completely excited. Oh, that, that would be someone that, that's kind of right up your alley. That's what you've done your whole life. And so the how it started was... Bell asked myself and several other talented operators, both on the pilot side and mechanic side, to start looking at how can we advise the engineers with the best solution to meet the Army's needs. And so that's the most exciting part of my day is to work with engineers to develop where these components are, mm -hmm. both either whether it be ergonomics or just lessons learned. We could start developing from scratch. Uh, in a digital threat environment. And what I mean is everything that is designed at an aircraft is not like how an aircraft was designed in the past. Every, every inch of that aircraft is designed digitally. And then it's either molded, whether it be 3D modeled, uh, or we actually create a prototype. We created a uh, joint multi-rail tech demonstrator, and that's the V280 that we have flown well over 200 hours on that aircraft and achieved well over 300 knots of uh, true airspeed, which far exceeds what the Army was asking for. Yeah. And so the Army is asking for speed. The Army is okay. asking to go fast. Uh, and, and really, we are designed a tilt-rotor second-generation model that helicopters, the higher you go, the less efficient they are. But when you look How at... How come that is? Because of uh, blade compressibility. Okay. So every time an advancing blade... Uh, is 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 beating against the wind. It compresses the air. Okay. The higher you go, there's less air. Okay, that makes sense. So you can't create as much lift, and the retreating blade mm -hmm. actually has less wind uh, coming across it, and you get encounter retreating blade stall. So a traditional spinning rotor, uh, whether it be a Chinook or a Blackhawk or an Apache, the higher you go, the less efficient they become. Okay, interesting. And so, but when an airplane flies, the higher it goes, the more efficient it is. Because let's say you're flying here at, at sea level, and uh, and it's it's one to one atmosphere, and you're flying at at 200 mile an hour. That's 200 mile an hour with the wind coming across the uh, the the wing. At 18,000 feet, there's 50 percent less atmosphere. So you'd be flying at 200 mile an hour with the same horsepower to get you a 200. 
since it's less atmosphere, your speed across the ground is probably about 300 mile an hour. Gotcha. So you're actually faster the higher you go in a wow. fish, and your fuel burn rate is even lower. That's why, that's why I really enjoy working for Bell because they have the proprietorship and they own the tilt rotor technology. So this is uh, like I'm not an engineer. I'm just li- listening to you. My dad used to fly planes, so I know just enough to be dangerous. Um, so, are, so are you able to combine those two technologies somehow so that you can go h- higher, faster? So the uh, the V twenty two Osprey Bell supports the Marine and the Air Force today with MV twenty twos and CV twenty twos, and that is you've seen those, and they are a much larger aircraft. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it's mm-hmm. several thousand pounds, if not tens of thousands of pounds, heavier than the aircraft that we're building uh, uh, for the Army. And so the the difference is we have purposely built through the technologies and the lessons learned for over 30 years of experience with those V-22s. Mm-hmm. Same technology, uh, same concept is where you're in a helicopter mode and you have the rotors that are they're in, in a helicopter plane and then you can advance them forward and turning into an airplane. Then you have mm-hmm. a wing. Oh, interesting. And so we have, we have realized that you don't have to turn the engine and the entire, the nacelle is what, the nacelle is the French word for container for where the engine compartment is. So you don't have to turn the nacelles completely forward or up and down like the V-22. We've learned you could do it through gearing, and it's just the rotors that need a turn. That reduces the complexity, reduces the the wear and tear, and really um, it's advantageous to the air assault mission. And so roughly five years ago, the Army came out and announced the requirements, not so much on what to make, but what the problems that they needed to be solved. So the Army wanted to go fast. Uh, they wanted to go far, and they wanted to fly at high altitudes at a hovering like a mountain air assault or a standard air assault mission on a very hot day like today. Uh, so the, the hotter it is, the less dense the air is, which means you lose a lot of lift. So the higher you go and the hotter you go, a helicopter has a lot less performance. So they want these new designs to be able to not only get there, but to hover there with uh, a lot of troops. And we're looking at, you know, 12 to 15 combat troops, uh, which weigh well over 300 pounds a piece to get them in there and to be combat effective and to really to fly twice as fast, if not more than twice as fast as a Blackhawk. Wow. They're really cool looking, the the prototypes and pictures and Mm -hmm. uh, things that I've seen in the static displays. No wonder you're so excited about all this. It's it's really, it's really cool. And to be a part of that, it's got to be pretty amazing. It is. uh, My son is, uh, he flies Blackhawks in the uh, Kentucky National Guard. He's full time. He's a company (coughs) commander. And he, um, I'm excited for him. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be flying for the next 20 years for the National Guard or the Army uh, when he deploys. And so I'm excited for that generation. I'm excited for our high schoolers right now mm-hmm. because the Army will decide this summer which design of choice. And so it started out with four competitors uh, several years ago, and it was narrowed down to two competitors to build a flying uh, tech demonstrator. And so Bell's solution is the V280, and we are in competition with Sikorsky, and they are still flying their their demonstrator to fly uh, some of the key points that they can that they can prove that uh, that they can fly as fast as well too. But the Army is going to make that hard decision on the technology. 
for years to come. So the Army yeah. Army's not making an easy, easy choice. And that's why they've been taking their time. Because this is a multi-year, multi-decade mm-hmm. decision. So when you look at the the three thousand plus Blackhawks in the Army, it's not going to be overnight to replace all. It's not of them. like yeah. we're just going to drop three thousand so, new ones. So when <laughs> they great. make their decision, so let's make up a date. September first, they make a decision. This is what we're going to do. When would the first uh, helicopter be in play? That's that's a great question. So the decision was based on delivery. So delivery has always been the end of 2029 and 2030 for first unit issue and presumably here at the 101st. Oh, that's mm-hmm. fun. I was going to ask, how does that affect Clarksville? Because anything that affects the Army generally does affect Clarksville. That was going to be my next question. Absolutely. So when you have new future vertical lift technology, and that's not just the future long-range air assault. That's not the Blackhawk replacement. It's also, it's FARA. It's the future attack reconnaissance aircraft. So Bell has been supporting the Army for decades since the Vietnam. We built 12,000 uh, Hueys during the Vietnam era. And we, you know, th- almost 3,500 Hueys did not ever come home uh, because of battle damage or pushed off the side of a ship. And so Bell has been supporting the Army for decades. And so the Army uh, divested of the OH-58D, which is attack reconnaissance aircraft. So Bell has not been supporting the Army for a few years now. Mm-hmm. And we're excited for the opportunity to get back yeah. into it. But so what that means for the community, it's <clears throat> new technology. It's composite uh, high-speed vertical takeoff and landing capability that's unmatched. It's a first-of-its-kind for a vertical lift platform to be flying 350 mile an hour. So when you see the aircraft flying up and down Mm -hmm. I-24, they're probably flying 140, 150 mile an hour. Well, these future long-range aircraft are going to be flying with speeds up to 350 mile an hour. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it, it's uh, now the national airspace at those altitudes. They actually restrict you to fly at 200 knots, which is 230 mile an hour mm-hmm. because that's so fast mm-hmm. with commercial and general aviation. It's too fast to avoid an aircraft that you see. So if you're flying at 350, 350 mile an hour, you have to be above 10,000 feet. Yeah. And so, but you're going to see them smoking across uh, the skies here, the future long range. So where will all these be built? So the uh, assembly lines and production lines are going to be outside of, of mm-hmm. Tennessee. Okay. Um, so Bell has uh, facilities in Texas already, and we that's where we manufacture our, our Bell 525. Our, we support the Marine Corps with the Cobra helicopter, the mm-hmm. Huey. Uh, these are the the, uh, the Zulu aircraft. They're they're they are some mean machines. Look up the uh, UH-1 Zulu or AH-1 Zulu for the Marine Corps. It's uh, uh it'll put an Apache to its numbers. I'll tell oh, you that. Man. But they um, <laughs> we also uh, build the V-22s there. And so we build the V-22s for the for the Japanese. We build them for um, for the Marine Corps, the you know other countries. And so the assembly line is there. The talent is there. The tooling is there. And so that's why production is to be there. Um, but coming here and what technology brings here is, I will tell you, Clarksville would be on the map when it comes to the brand new for years to come. It's it's the new aircraft. It's like when the UH-60 was uh, brought into service in the uh, late 70s and the 80s. It, it was news across the board. It's a new technology, uh, new training, new skill craft, uh, new mechanics, 
Uh, so you're going to have other subcontracts uh, and companies that support the avionics, the engines, uh, the flight controls that are going to have to then converge on where the aircraft are being delivered. And that's, you know, if it's at Fort Campbell, uh, that's that's what brings that population in. So you're going to see a growth of talent and of support for this. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So I think, and I might get this wrong, I, th- I think I was told or I read somewhere that that the Army then will be using a lot of civilian contractors, like for mechanics and things like that. Is Did I hear that wrong? The, the Army's desire is to have uh, Army mechanics. Okay. Because when you deploy a weapon system and... Uh, you need someone who can go with you in case it breaks. And that's right. And yeah. if it goes with it breaks, and if you go into certain regions of the world... Then it's you'd rather have soldiers there than civilian and okay. contractors. So that's the army's desire is to always do that. But when you first unit equip a, a, a brand new technology like this, we have the institutional knowledge on how to build it, how to fix it. So there's going to be a transition. Okay. For for a while, so you'll see a lot of uh, civilian expertise. We call them the field service <clears throat> representatives, and uh, the mechanics to help maintain it, help push it out until the army learns this uh, new aircraft, and then they'll transition, and then off they go. So now I have heard that aviation was going to be a big economic driver for our community in the future. Is this the? Is this why? Uh, yes. Okay. So there's there's two parts to it. So how the commercial and the military side mirror each other is technology advancement. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are owned by Textron. Textron also owns and Beechcraft mm-hmm. and and Fokker jets, easy go golf carts. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I don't know what kind you have at the house, Charlie, but you need to get an easy go if you don't have one. I I, I could use two. <laughs> but they, so w- what happens is like Cessna just built a sky courier specifically for the containers that FedEx uses uh, for packaging. So then you can put all the packages inside this container mm-hmm. to be sorted out prior to be put in an aircraft versus throwing the aircraft, downloading everything and then sorting it out. It makes it, it streamlines it. And wow. FedEx oh, wow. has, has put on contract for nearly a hundred of those right off the bat. Nashville over the next several years is going to be converted into what's called a class Bravo airspace, which is a very, very busy volume airport. Right now it's class Charlie. Class Bravo is like Atlanta, Chicago. And what it does is it creates a veil around it of positive control. So like John C. Toon and all those airports Mm -hmm. that are near Nashville are going to be restricted based on the volume of traffic controlled by the airport. So it's going to be uh, more of a challenge to get in and out of those airports. So the satellite airports like Clarksville is going to be appetizing for business jets, yep. mm-hmm. uh, either regional or FedEx or UPS to get in and out that they can get out quickly. So you could just make quick radio tower call and land. You don't even have to really even schedule it. You just come in and land yep. and take off. Yeah, I can see that. And so technology coming to Fort Campbell highlights all those uh, necessities for engineering uh, and for any type of tooling and repairs or parts and supply, all those things that that would bring in. And so that's really what it means to mm-hmm. Clarksville. That, that's pretty cool. It's as, interesting, very as interesting. we've been talking about all these different types of helicopters, uh, I was thinking about you flying because you've been flying for 30 plus years now, right? So Chinook, 
Right. Was, is that what you flew most of the time? Primarily or? the uh, MH-47. That's correct. Okay. So, so now you get out here and you've got all these smaller birds, as you would say. What Are you able to fly them or do you have to take certain training? I mean, you're an expert in one field. But can you... Can just, you just fly any helicopter yeah. is what he's asking. So, yes, I flew a couple weeks ago. They, um, so I'm an instructor uh, for both airplanes and helicopters, um, uh, an examiner for instrumentation, all that. But if you're going to fly a particular aircraft, you have to have flown within a certain recent amount of time uh, to fly yourself without an instructor, or you have to, or to fly for commercial for hire for passengers. Yeah. But um, since I haven't flown for a while, I would have to go with an instructor and fly around. But typically, you just have to show proficiency in the type of helicopter, if it's a yeah. turbine. There's there's so many different type yeah. readings and category, and it's based on weight. So like mm-hmm. any airplane out there, you have to get a check out if it has retractable landing gear. That's a different type of yeah. certification uh, for high performance. But essentially, the answer is yes, as long as it what I have flown in in the army, and I flew airplanes in the army too. Yeah. As long as it's in the same category. So if it's yeah. a jet for jet propulsion, I would have to actually go through and do a type rating for that type of mm-hmm. aircraft because I've never flown that type. What's the most fun? I was just wondering that. What's his favorite one to fly? I was just going to ask that. The MH-47. Is it? It, it is the, the beast of the sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is unmatched. What is, it the, what is the layman's term for that one? Uh, the Chinook. Okay, the Chinook. It's the Chinook. But there's two types of Chinooks, the CH-47 and the okay. MH-47. Uh, CH-47 is the cargo helicopter that just has massive power for troops and, and mm-hmm. cargo. And MH-47 is an assault aircraft gotcha. with in-flight refuel. And, yeah. yeah it's, so that's 160th has a bunch of those. It is a special operations aircraft, long range. Yeah. That's right. Deep penetration, everything. It's, You'll see them fly over every now and again. They fly over my house. I think they turn around at my house. It's totally cool. Uh, just, just give us your address and they'll mm-hmm. be sure to fly over it more mm-hmm. often. <laughs> but uh, to answer your question, yes, you can yeah. fly really anything that's out there, but you have to go through and, and show proficiency before you're yeah. flying. That's cool. That's interesting. I'm going to ask one last question I was thinking, and this, and you may not be the right person to ask this question, but I think you'll know the answer. So you were talking about how Nashville's going to become a Bravo, whatever that was, um, <laughs> and that Clarksville will be getting some more business. What is the Clarksville Airport doing in preparation for that? So my advice for the Clarksville Airport and Airport Board mm-hmm. is to start doing a market analysis of what that means with some aviation experts. And so I'm helping advise. Um, uh, so Charlie Wygant was my yep. instructor in mm-hmm. Green Platoon in the 160th, as he's teaching out at Austin P. Yep. Uh, this is the reason for donating the Bell 407 helicopter. Uh, this helicopter was uh, it, ten years ago was the prototype for the unmanned vehicle for the Navy for airspace surveillance. So it's an actual aircraft. That's why one side has no seat, and the other side has a seat for the safety pilot because this was the yeah. this mm-hmm. was a demonstrator. But it's a fully operational aircraft, and so now this school can start training mechanics on it with a real aircraft, the full components. And when they get out there to the world, it's not the first time they've seen a real aircraft. Yeah. Or right. so, I mean, so now it gives them better tools to make mm-hmm. better mechanics, and and the whole purpose of that is the similar idea to advise what's happening for the airport. Yeah. So if you have, uh, and I wrote this down to really make a center of excellence from an aviation standpoint for like the airport, you would have to have a good board of advisors that are well-connected 
to the to the aviation community because it is unique because mm-hmm. you have federal aviation regulations that that complete that's from the Department of Transportation that are completely unique. And so if you have a good board of advisors, you have uh, aviation mechanics that are being developed and grown right there, which they are through North Central Institute. And then you have an aviation science to produce uh, both um, helicopter pilots. And then there are two schools out there that, that are producing and training and certifying airplane pilots. And then you have a transportation aviation transportation like FedEx, UPS, DHL, that if you start bringing in the reasons why this needs to be a hub, uh, and it's down to airport runway length, uh, mm-hmm. apron length, uh, the hangars, all that stuff for storage for, for those types of companies, then you start growing the aviation uh, need for this area. And it's we're right on the edge. We've been on the edge for a while, but I think... Uh, I think with presence of technology like future vertical lift, because it's it's less than eight years, mm-hmm. these aircraft will be delivered here at Fort Campbell, mm-hmm. and crazy. so that sparks the thought of expansion here in Clarksville from an aviation standpoint, and and it'll it'll grow the need from the state trade studies. Like the governor wants us to invigorate trade schools, and that was mm-hmm. why we we donated the helicopter. And the last thing to point out about the reason for donating a helicopter was. More than 80% of the students at that institute are transitioning soldiers. Interesting, yeah. And less than half of the aviation mechanics coming out of the Army pursue an aviation career. Hmm. And so we're trying to inspire that, that it's easy to come out of your skills of the military, go to an institute like this with the, with the, the, the best of technology and the best training aids, and then you start out at a job much greater than you would as a mechanic, non-aviation. Mm-hmm. And so you start a career right away. That was the whole purpose of it. Start with our youth, start with our soldiers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, that was the purpose. Well, it was very generous. Well, hopefully we'll get our answer soon from the Army. And we'll know know how we're headed. Well, Charlie, you know some people in, in the Pentagon. Can you, I, uh, can you tell them to hurry up? <laughs> I'm sure I can tell them anything, <laughs> anything I see fit. Now, will they listen? I don't know about He can that. tell them. It doesn't mean they're going to listen. Good point. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'm, ex- I'm excited. And spending a, a, over three decades in the Army, I'm excited for the Army. Yeah. It is not an easy decision to make. And, um, you know, our perspective from Bell is to provide the best technology and answer yeah. all their questions and and provide, if not just meet their standards, but exceed their standards. Because we know there's always going to be growth potential. There's going to be new and heavier equipment that's going to be put on those aircraft. So we want to make sure we're prepared for that in the future. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, I can tell you're excited about it, and I don't blame you because you seem pretty, I mean, it's it's going to be pretty um, incredible to be a part of something that's going to kind of shape the future of the Army. So, Absolutely. Uh, And uh, I guess the closing comment, the reason for future vertical lift is survivability for our our men and women that are driving and walking around Clarksville. Mm -hmm. When they deploy, they have technology at their fingertips today. But in 2030, Going faster and further and having technology that's going to help give them situational awareness on a battlefield is survivability. So it, it naturally increases their chances of coming home. Mm-hmm. So if you think about it, that's well, that we is want that. the next chapter. Yeah. Right. Yep. We want that for sure. Yep. 
Well, Doug, thank you for joining us today and um, keep us updated on what's going on with all that. I will. Next time I want to see a picture. Well, uh, next time after a contract award, then uh, I'll bring the model in. and That sounds perfect. <laughs> and we'll take a picture with it. We'll do something. Yep. Thank you again. Thank you. Thanks, Doug. Subscribe to Clarksville's Conversation wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss out on a single conversation.